Blog Talk Radio. Well, as usual, let's see. Yep, as usual, I cannot get the opening to start. Five years, <laughs> no opening. Uh, well, welcome back to the show. Um, Seth from Hoboken, Sean from somewhere on the Upper West Side after his uh, monthly travails. Uh, the prodigal son has returned to New York City. And I'd say were, New York City was happy to have him, but at the end of the day, meh. Welcome home, my friend. Thank you. So I am now being known as the prodigal son. I actually enjoy that moniker. So if you'd like to continue using that throughout the rest of the show, I am perfectly okay with that. Uh, thank you very much for the return wishes. I have had a great four weeks. I'm really glad to be back in New York. It was beautiful weather today. Sorry for the late show, everybody, 9 o'clock. Seth and I both had stuff to do my first day back at work. And, but here we are talking about the World Cup. We're talking about the demolishment of the Cleveland Cavaliers and the best celebration that I've ever seen in any sport, which is Alex Ovechkin with the Stanley Cup. Because, first of all, to all the Caps fans out there, congratulations. Because long-suffering Washington fans, and I know Seth has his own personal views with his late friend David Schell, in that it was just that the Capitals win this year with the passing of David. But at the same time, those Washington fans have been, 1992, the only person that's suffered more is me. So 1992, not that bad. Congratulations, guys. You definitely deserved it, and I'm very happy. It was actually the Capitals rather than the Redskins. I think all of us are pretty happy about that. Uh, although, I'll be honest, I don't think anyone saw this coming. Um, and it seems to have been a kind of a recent trend with, with, with some teams that win the championship after it seems they're past their prime. Um, you know, when we, we, we were watched so many of these great Ovechkin Crosby, Pittsburgh, Washington series in, in the, uh, throughout the, the, the beginning part of this decade. And every time Pittsburgh would win the game seven, Washington wasn't tough enough. They weren't mentally strong enough. I mean, Sean, how many times did I take Washington to go to make, to win a championship or to make the finals at least must've been three or four out of five years. And yeah, far, far too many actually for your own good, but understood. Understandably so. Look, Washington has had obviously they have they didn't make many changes this year, so this team is not that much different than they have been in the past. I mean, from two years ago, maybe four years ago, maybe they brought in Brooks Orpik, they brought in some defensive players. But overall, this is pretty much the same team for the last three or four years. This year, they just got over that Pittsburgh hump. And, you know, would go on. You know, they weren't down two zip to Columbus very well. I think they won in overtime in game three very well. You know, could have pulled it there. Beat Pittsburgh in a thrilling seven-game series. Could have lost there. Could have lost to Tampa where they were the underdog. Uh, you know, won a game seven on the road. Now, I did expect them to be to beat Vegas, and I and I think 
you I don't think you I think you had them losing every step of the way. I could be wrong. Because a lot well, of people no, kind had of a them beating Vegas. I had them in the finals no, beating Vegas. You were rooting for them. Did you have them winning? Yes, I had Washington over Vegas. I had that was the only step in which I had Washington was over Vegas. I had them losing to Tampa, which we all know I said they had absolutely no shot of, of winning. Yes, I'm eating crow, a whole lot of crow, in the fact that they shut them out in game seven in Tampa Bay. Look, this team proved that they had the Kuyans, they had the Nakas, they had everything and everything, everything and anything that they needed. And it's an interesting offseason for this team as well, as their coach, Barry Trotz, is now a free agent. He does not have a contract for next year. The, the Capitals were looking to replace him as late as December when they went on that losing streak, and now they are in an interesting boat where they have an assistant coach, I think his name is Todd Reardon, who they are hoping to replace Trotz at some point, but now they have a Stanley Cup winning coach as a free agent. And quite frankly, I don't remember the last time a championship coach left the team. I mean, in my memory goes back to 1964 when Johnny Keane left the Cardinals to go to the Yankees to replace Yogi Berra. I gotta ironically, believe it's happened since then, but I don't remember yeah. when. Um, ironically, the team that they beat in the '64 World Series. Um, good call. Good call on that, by the way. Uh. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a strange and somewhat awkward awkward place, and I wonder if one of the beneficiaries is, you know, I I know you're pulling is your New York Islanders, who are sans a coach right now, with oh, you know, and as oh, our good friend, if my good friend uh, Mike Nirenberg has said, is it was ecstatic to see Doug Waite and more importantly Garth Snow hit the road. And look, I've been looking. No, I've been looking for Garth Snow and Doug Waite to hit the road for some time. I'm not sure Barry Trotz is the right guy. I mean, at the end of the day, the, the Islanders need a guy that can put in the defensive scheme and a really good defensive scheme. Because if they re-sign John Tavares, and holy hell, that's like 19 days away that he becomes a free agent. I'm sorry, 18 days away, June 30th. If they re-sign him, this team does not lack firepower at all. They lack a defensive scheme. I'm not sure Barry Trotz is the right guy for that scheme. Look, I could be wrong, but he's not the guy that I would want for, for this team at all. Not one iota, even if he is a Stanley Cup winning championship coach. He's just not the guy. But stranger things have happened. I don't see him actually meshing with Lou Lamarillo either, who – assume the, the title of general manager this past week. But, again, stranger things have happened. But, you know what? Good on you, Washington, and good on you, Washington fans. You guys deserve this. You really do. You guys have waited a very long time. Trust me, I know. Six less years than I have, but I get it. And today was your parade, and you showed up in droves 
to the tune of more people than Donald Trump had his, at his presidential inauguration. Two yeah, thumbs up to you. That was the same thought I, that was the same thought I had. Was, it, was if Donald had that many people at his, at his inauguration, Sean Spicer wouldn't have had to lie in that initial press conference because that place was stacked. And what was funny was you had the Golden State uh, parade going on at the same time. So I was working, I had, was on the phone with the IRS, and I had literally both parades on. Not either one particularly interesting. Well, I, I shouldn't say neither one. Watching the uh, caps one was kind of funny. Um, you know, with, with Kuznetsov and, and Wilson and, and T.J. Oshie, and of course, Ovechkin. And I don't think I have ever seen yeah, a Seth, we, Seth, championship. Seth, we can't hear you at all. That's weird. Now I can hear you. I have no idea. You can't hear me? Now I can hear you. Before you were very, okay. very mumbled. Okay. I have, I have, the gist of it was, I don't think I've ever seen a, a, someone happier to win a championship than Alex Ovechkin. And nope. the last week, and if, you, if you've seen the videos, if anyone who's listening has not seen the videos, forget you're being a hockey fan. It's like a guy... <laughs> It's pretty much been a fraternity rush, uh, uh, like a week of a fraternity on spring break, watching all these guys go absolutely, watching Ovechkin as, as the primary or as, as the cap, as the actual leader, but watching him go absolutely zerk uh, <laughs> the last two weeks, last week, excuse me, has been great uh, in comparison to Golden State, where it's been kind of, well, we expected this, so blah. Sad but true. Well, so I don't have any problem with that either. I mean, I I love seeing Ovechkin show the emotion. I think, look, hockey shows the emotion more than any other team. I mean, truth be told, they have always hockey has always showed much more emotion. Even the celebration where you pass off the cup to the next person is more emotional than anything that you see in the NBA, the Major League Baseball, or the NFL. I mean, I don't think anybody would have an issue with that, that statement that I just made. But the fact is, Ovechkin has taken it. Ovechkin has taken it to another level, and it's awesome that he is taking it to the other level because there have been calls for every stadium, sorry, every sport, to have a celebration like, like the NHL does. And I don't remember the person that wrote it. I think it was Buster Olney that said, if you're in Major League Baseball, why can't you take the championship on the road? Why can't you take that? Yeah, you might poke somebody's eye out along the way, but why can't you take it on the road? Why can't you have that one day for yourself? Why is this limited to hockey? The best part about the Stanley Cup isn't Alex Ovechkin. The best part is that each player has one day to take the cup, no matter where they want to go. They can take it to their hometown, as many people in Boston have done for the Bruins. And they take it to New Hampshire, and they take it to Maine, and places that people just don't get to see the cup. I think it's a fantastic tradition. Now, Ovechkin has taken it to a new level, in which he did a keg stand out of the cup, which props to him. He did, he was up top on some restaurant in Georgetown. He's been sleeping with the cup. It's a little dirty, but whatever. And he's just been making it joyous. And I have absolutely no problem with anybody expressing joy over winning a cup or any championship in any level. I think it's 
a phenomenal way to celebrate your sport. And the more he does it, quite frankly, the more attention is paid to hockey. All good in my book. Well, the question also is that, well, actually, I'm curious. You keep saying 1992 and your team was six years after. I Dude, I can't hear you. I said you, you keep saying that 1992 when your team was six months six years afterwards. And no, before. What I guess I'm. Well, no, wouldn't it be 2003? No, nice. Well, I don't. No, I don't consider. So I'm talking about professional sports here, right? So my city, New York, for my teams, I'm not considering college because if you want to consider college, you go to Maryland for for Washington sports, but I don't think everybody in Maryland, everybody in Washington, D.C. is a Maryland fan. The same way that no, every Mets, Jets, Knicks, or Islanders fan is a New York fan. So it, it, I understand, it, but I'm talking about fan. you personally. I'm talking about you oh, personally. Oh, I agree. I'm talking about. Look, I, I got Syracuse there. I, I, I'm, I'm in no disagreement there, but I was talking about the Washington fans as a faithful, and I think that the New York fans, the general island, Long Island fans are Mets, Jets, Knicks, and Islander fans. And they have not had a championship since 1986. And if any of those teams won and they had a parade in, you know, on Long Island, you would similarly have the turnout that you had today, which was phenomenal. And props to everybody that turned out for that parade today. It looked amazing. It looked amazing on, on the mall of uh, Washington, D.C. Now, did you get to watch any of the games, uh, hockey or soccer or basketball? I got to watch very little of the games. I got to watch game seven of the basketball just because I was awake at the time. It was like three in the morning. Um, I got to watch a little bit of the basketball. I did watch the, uh, some of the recaps and certainly some of the replays. It just looked like, you know what, it was LeBron versus the world. That's no different than what we thought it would be at the beginning of the series. Yeah, I mean, pretty much just as we talked about a couple of series ago where Toronto blowing, blowing the fourth quarter, game one was the end of the series. <clears throat> um, against Cleveland, this series ended the second J.R. Smith decided he didn't want to take a layup with the game tied and three seconds left. And it was a brilliant, brilliant performance by LeBron. But uh, that game, once that game was over, the series was done. Um, even even the most knowledgeable <laughs> and, and diehard NBA fans, Randy Zellia, who owns Bat Sports Page and, and the Bate Isles, I don't think any of them watched Game Four. Um, I watched the fourth quarter of it, but it was just it was an awful series. It just it, it there's just no comparison. It's just very simply there there is no comparison between Golden State and anybody else at this point. Um, I know Chris Paul was out for game six and seven. Houston did stretch them to seven. But I think when Dahl was there, the series would have been over in five. Um, it was just, they're too good. They're almost making it uncomfortable. Um, and because they don't even see, the funny thing is they did not look good in this playoff. And they still, other than the Houston series, really cruised. Um, they're just, two or three levels above everybody else with Durant. And it'll be interesting. I know Durant has said that he is coming back. But 
you know, I, I do wonder. I think he also wants to be beloved again, and he has certainly not turned that not that has not happened. Him coming to the bed, he's won his championships, but similarly to LeBron going to Miami, LeBron really cemented his legacy when Cleveland when he led Cleveland. Um, Golden State, you know, won a championship before Durant and won seventy three games the year before Durant. Durant is not going to cement his legacy when back-to-back finals with his team. He'll win his championships, but the respect factor that he wants is not going to come with this. It just isn't. Do you think Durant's going to leave? I don't know why. Durant has said that he will stay. I am not as convinced. Um, I don't know. Really? I think he'll stay. I, I mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't know if you saw because you were away. David West kind of attested to the fact that there was a lot of stuff behind the scenes this year, much more than last year, um, where there was a lot of more uncomfortability in, in Golden State. Now, I don't – if it's done to my head, is he leaving? Probably not. Um, would I be stunned if he did? I don't think so. Uh, okay, so 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 let's let's go through this. So let's play this out. So let's say Kevin Durant declares a free agency, right? Because he's got a one and one, so he's got the option to become a free agent or not, and he would have to opt in because there's no way that there is a team that has look. There are maybe four teams in the whole NBA that have. Max room. I mean, we've gone through this this concept with time LeBron James yeah. time and time again. So he's got to opt in. He opts into his $35 million contract. We're back to the LeBron James scenario as to where he can go and where he would want to go. I just don't see there being a place. I mean, I get the point that you believe that he can't cement his legacy in Golden State because he's the add-on, right? I mean, that's basically what it is. You have the core, and then you have, okay, the missing piece. But my point is, or is your point because they already had a championship, and then they added him on, so he's not really the missing piece, he's just another piece. I mean, there are players that cement their legacy as the missing piece without any problem. I mean, but uh, I'll, I'll... I'll take it from Aroldis Chapman with the Cubs or Butch Goring with the Islanders. Or, I mean, you can go on and on and on as the guys that came over late, Rasheed Wallace with the, with the Pistons, guys that came over in a trade or guys that came over free agency-wise and with a missing piece to the puzzle and all of a sudden you had a legacy of championships. I don't know why that couldn't be Durant's legacy. Because he wasn't the missing piece. They won a championship two years before. They lost. They went 73-9. and nine. They only realistically lost to Cleveland because Raymond Green got uh, suspended in game five for game five when they would have won at home. Um, they didn't have a missing piece. They took advantage of the setting. God bless them. You know, I can't Seth, you're breaking up. I... I... 
I either cannot it's hear weird. you I don't know why. very softly. Not to, okay. I'm not sure why. Um, there you go. But, Keep uh, going with that voice. Whatever you just saw, you're okay. doing. Do, uh, I, it's hard for me to see Golden State, to see him as a missing piece. There was no missing piece. Golden State won the championship two years before and won 73 games the year before. And if Draymond doesn't get suspended for game five, they win two in a row and could very well be on a four-championship winning streak at this point. Um, so he's not the missing piece because they didn't need one. But he was an incredible add-on. But I, I, I think he's someone you – know, he, he's – I think he's someone who, you know, like everyone wants to be loved. And I think he wants to be seen in that LeBron top five, 10, 10 of all time. And I don't think you do that without, without being the main person on a championship team, without cementing that legacy. And he's not going to cement the legacy playing in Egypt, playing, me, playing in uh, San Francisco, playing Golden State. I could be wrong. Maybe he does Maybe it's not as important to him. Or maybe he takes another, you know, two-year contract and he's out at 32, and he could do it. He could do it somewhere else. Because at that point, their luxury tax between what they have to pay Clay and what they have to pay Draymond. Oh my lord, is it going to be big? So I don't know. It's, I think it's going to be interesting. As always, and we'll talk about this more in two weeks. Um, because next week will be our draft preview. We'll talk about the free agency in two weeks. Um, it'll be fascinating to see what happens. Yeah, I'm not really all that convinced that he leaves. I mean, I just don't see I'm a better place for him. I'm not convinced he leaves. I just, I, I think that's what a lot of people. I think there's, there's again, maybe just maybe idle chatter because it's kind of this calm before the storm right now. But it's just it's, it's interesting to hypothesize about. Um, you know, we're not going to talk about LeBron. And I feel like we've talked about LeBron to death. Um. It was just, as we talked about, unfortunately, with Durant coming to Golden State the last couple of years, the NBA has gotten better and better, but the playoffs have become incredibly predictable. So you, you really didn't miss yeah. too much being away. Well, I didn't think so. I mean, look, we, I missed the hockey playoffs. I was very disturbed by missing those because – I love watching Stanley Cup hockey. I wasn't all that concerned about missing the NBA. I missed the Islanders' downfall. I'm oh, sorry, the Mets' downfall, who are now the worst team in baseball since their 12 and 2 start. And I missed the Yankees becoming the one of the best teams in the American League. So I didn't really miss very much. And Tyus Battle remains a Syracuse Orangeman, so or Syracuse Orange because we can't be the men anymore. And look. I'm a very happy camper with that. So all in all, it was a great trip, and I came back, and things really haven't changed all that much I mean, as far as the sporting world is concerned. But we do have another Triple Crown winner, and I'm not exactly sure that's the best thing for the sport. In fact, I think that's probably the worst thing for the sport. I said that three, four years ago when there was the Triple Crown winner, and having Triple Crown winners over and over again – is not good for horse racing. I don't know what you think about this, but the allure of the Triple Crown is much better than actually having a Triple Crown winner. I agree. Um, when American Farrell won in 2015, uh, you remember, I'm assuming you remember where you were for the Belmont, if you thought about it. 
Um, that we year? Down. Yeah. Yeah, we were in uh, we were in Atlantic City. They hadn't had one since it was affirmed or Seattle their Seattle Saloon in 1979 or affirmed in 78. I forget which. There had been so many close calls that it really did kind of lead to a crescendo, uh, which culminated with American Pharaoh winning winning the triple crown. But after that, there's you know the whole the whole business of the career. Having two in four years doesn't doesn't make it feel particularly worse. Um, the ratings were out of what awful to the Belmont, um, and work was a year, and they cared a lot more what people was you know, about what nine, ten, eleven horses and won the the, the Kentucky and then lost the Belmont. Um. So, with with American Pharaoh winning, and Justify winning this year, yeah, it's the the excitement is really in the is is in the is not itself, but just kind of everything that's and for a sport that's terrible ratings for the last couple of years. This will not agree. That's not good for the sport. I don't know what you can really do about it, but. I, I mean, I don't really have much more to say about it. I loved the concept of the Triple Crown. I loved the fact that Smarty Jones did not win the Triple Crown. I remember rushing home to watch that. But I don't like this every other year, every three years, every four years winning the Triple Crown. Because horse racing is an alluring sport. It's a sport that brings out people maybe three, four, five times a year particularly for the Preakness, the Belmont, and the Kentucky Derby. And if the Triple Crown continues to be won, then it's just not alluring anymore. It's just a sport where one horse dominates. And let me ask you this, Seth. Do you you believe that the ratings for NBA basketball are going to be less next year, given the fact that the same team has now won three out of four years and – likely will dominate even next year. I mean, I think the ratings for horse rating will be less. No, because I think there'll be a new competitor against them. Um, Cleveland, LeBron's not coming back to Cleveland. I don't think LeBron's coming back to Cleveland. And even if he does, I don't think that Cleveland, no, again, contingent on how the free agency plays out and the draft plays out. I think you're looking at Boston or Philly, and with new blood comes new interest and comes re- comes a renewal in the ratings. The ratings for the NBA were not bad this year um, for the finals, surprisingly considering how anticlimactic they were. So I don't think that's going to be a problem for the NBA. And the NBA, you know, forgetting the playoffs, but it were, but the regular season, the popularity is just gets bigger. It's just getting bigger and bigger. So I don't think the NBA is going to have a ratings problem at all. Okay. And horse racing? Nobody cares. The horse racing, they're, 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 look, they're capped. You know, you're going to have the people who are, who, the, the people who watch it for just the spectacle of watching it. But horse racing has been going down for years. I don't see anything that's going to change that. 
Okay, fair enough. So there is one big sporting event that's happening this week, and it's not the NBA playoffs. It's not the NHL playoffs. It's not Major League Baseball. It's a sport that we talk about very limited on a very limited basis, and that's football. No, not the American football, but the European football, which we are the only country in the world that calls it soccer. The World Cup is going to Sochi this week, and the USA is not going along with it, so I have absolutely no interest in it. So I leave that up to Seth to give us a little preview. All right, I will. I'll make this a little bit. I'll make this a little bit quicker than I would normally. But I guess a quick question: Since you were traveling through Europe and you were in Spain and you were in Portugal and you were in France and Germany, all these teams in England, for that matter, all these teams which made the World Cup in there. How was it? Was there an excitement about it, or because you were traveling and you weren't dealing with it on a sure. day? Um, it wasn't. It wasn't particularly. It was. It was ancillary as opposed to kind of one in your face. Sure. So the biggest excitement actually was for the Spain Portugal matchup, which I believe is coming up on Thursday, um, and I believe that's the first round of the World Cup, and that is a huge game. I mean, for those two teams, and from what I understood, this is Portugal week kind of like July 4th in the United States, but for an entire week in Portugal. And the fact that they're having that game during this week, there will be screens up in the major plazas. They're much the same way as we saw the World Cup in Central Park or in, or in all of the bars. In New York, you're going to get the same kind of reaction in Portugal and in Spain. They are jonesing for this. They are very much up for this type of game. They are. They have been waiting for this type of game. Other than that, I didn't get much of a sense in either England or Paris or Germany. I just didn't get the same sense as I do in the nationalistic pride in both Portugal and Spain. Well, to be fair, we we know how overly emotional the Germans are. So, <laughs> so somehow that doesn't surprise me. Um, I'll run through the groups pretty quickly. Uh, it, you know, with the I mean, with the U.S. out and Holland out and Italy out, there are three ma- massive fan bases, which are just which are kind of just I mean, it's a, are all shock. It's kind of shocking that none of these teams are there now. The U.S. is not obviously at the class of either of those two, but considering considering their region, they should have made this pretty easily. Um, now, Russia and Saudi Arabia kick off the uh, cup on Thursday to meet Egypt and Uruguay in Group A. They're in Group A. Egypt and Uruguay should probably go through. Group B, Portugal and Spain will go through. Um, I'm not going to go through all these. It seems kind of silly. Um, if I was talking with somebody, I would. But to talk, for me to hear myself talk about Peru, Australia, that can make a heck of a lot of sense. Look, you can, look, um, look, look. I'm, I am open to a conversation knowing absolutely nothing about these. But let me ask you this first. England takes their pride in soccer or in football, right? They are the, yes. That is the pride in them. What type of team are they looking at? Because I know very little about their players. I know they have the guy Rooney, and they got a couple other guys, and I know Beckham was there and is not there anymore. But what kind of team is England looking at for this type of World Cup? They're, 
they're not looking like a great team. Um, they're it's it's a weaker England team than than in prior years. Their goaltending is pretty medial, is below average to say the least. They have a couple studs. Um, Harry Kane from Tottenham is their best scorer. is really good. Um, they have some. They're just not as good as I mean. Even in their group, Belgium Belgium is a much better team. Um, you know they're playing a weird. Found they were playing a weird like a three four three, which is just so strange. For I mean, very I don't remember the last time I saw a team play with it without four defenders. Um, I, I, they'll probably get through. Their the group is Tunisia, Panama, and Belgium. I'm assuming they'll end up as the two seed, as the two against Belgium, you know, under Belgium, and then. At that, their their round of sixteen, I think, would be Poland, which would be utterly, or Colombia, which would be winnable. But they're not going any further than that. I think for them, if they get to the quarters, they'd be pretty happy. So, of all the teams that I, of all the places that I went, England was the one place that I heard very similar to what you just said. They believe that their team should be better than they are. They're not a very good team, but they they expect better. So I talked to a, a gentleman on one of the buses that I was in, and I said, in the age of the Internet and in the age of modern technology, you look at the 1992 USA men's basketball team, and they were a dynasty. They were the dream team. They were well and beyond everybody else. And you look 25, 30, 25 years later, and we're in 2017, and other teams have caught up to the dream team. Not that the USA basketball has gotten worse, but that other teams have gotten better and risen to the talent. And not to say that they've gotten up to the U.S., but they've come pretty close. We've had some really close calls. We've actually lost in some of the, the world, championship team, world championship games. We've lost in in the Olympic Games. Is it a case where England was so good for so long and other teams have just caught up to them? Not that England's bad. They're just, they haven't risen to the occasion the same way other teams have. No, because they were never that good in the first place. Uh, they won one championship in 1966 and on a, on a disputed goal in overtime an extra time. Now they did lose the hand of God match to to, to Maradona in Argentina in 19, I want to say 1990. It was 82 or 86 or 90. I forget which year. Um, but by and large there, it's kind of like rooting. It's kind of like rooting for Notre Dame football where you have this outlandish expectation that you have this overwhelming talent and you should be, a top team every year, but the reality is they're not, and they haven't been. I mean, you you look through the history, and you look through even you know you look through their continent. They do not have a better history than France or Italy or Spain or Germany or probably be, maybe better than Portugal or um, dog. Sorry about that. You know, they, they, they had, now they had a good, a great generation with you know some very good talent with Beckham and Rooney and Paul Scholes and Ryan Giggs, but, but they 
they just couldn't break through with those teams. And this, this team doesn't have the talent. They simply just don't. Um, you know, they're, they're not, they're not a top tier team. They're probably a middle to lower second tier team. And I think until we see how some of their younger players like Raheem Sterling from Manchester city kind of do, to be honest in the, in this, in the world cup, I, I don't see anything. I don't, I don't see, I, I have no expectation that they'll go anywhere past winning past the quarters. And if they do okay, anything, so past that, I think they'd be fixed that. Okay. So we're in 2018 right now. The next cup is in 2022. Let's talk mm-hmm. 2022 for a second. Which team will not be great here, but will make the jump in 2022? Which team do you see having two wow. young players, having younger players, not the players that will force a win in this cup, but as we see with all Major League Baseball and NFL, they're not today's team but they are tomorrow's team. That's a really tough question for me to answer. Um, I am not a soccer expert like I am a, uh, like I, I would be towards basketball or football. Um, Belgium, I guess, would probably be one, uh, although I think they're a threat to win this this year. But they're still very young, led by Kevin De Bruyne and um, man, that's a, just a tough question. I think the U.S. should be very good in four years, but they're not there um, because they're. But I, should, I shouldn't say that. I don't know. I just don't. It, it's too hard of a. I'm not enough of a soccer expert to to give an answer on that. I'm just not. Okay, that's fair. So we'll bring somebody on in a couple of weeks, and we'll talk a little bit more, especially after the World Cup. Um. All right, so who's your final four going on here? So I don't even know who's in any of the divisions. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've been following the show, you know I am not a soccer expert. I know next to nothing about soccer. I know that the USA did not make the World Cup, the World Cup championships. I think that's a step in the right direction for me, knowledge-wise, but that's about all I got. So tell me who's coming out of each group. And then tell me who your final four is. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, I'm going to have Group A. I'm going to have Egypt. I'm going to have Uruguay and Egypt coming out. Russia is going to be the second uh, team, the second time that a host team does not make the second round. Group B, Spain and Portugal. Not really going to go crazy over that. Group C, as my as my pregnant wife is dancing like a ballerina, trying to distract me. Um, group C, I'll say France and Peru. A little bit of a surprise with Peru, who was really good in South South American South American qualifying. Group D, Group D. <laughs> Argentina, Argentina. Oh my goodness, Argentina, Argent, Argentina, 
And just because they are the team that everyone should be rooting for, Iceland, because if you can't root for Iceland in that Viking clap, it'll be pretty awesome. It's going to be pretty neat. Uh, yeah. Group E, Brazil and Switzerland. Group F, Georgia. Oh, Germany and Mexico. Sweden's going to give them a good run. Group G, Belgium and England. Group H, Colombia. I'll say Senegal, because every year one African team at least moves forward, and Senegal is actually a pretty young and talented team. Um, um, two, 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 two. Pretty much my final four, I guess, would be France. I don't. Have, the problem is because I'm not picking the tournament, so I'm not sure who's going to match up with who. No, it would be France, Belgium, Spain, and Spain, and. Uh, in Germany. Uh, Brazil gets knocked out by Belgium, and I have Belgium over France in the, in the, uh, in the World Cup final. Yeah, there you go. No one's taking that one. Okay, so who are the players that we should be looking at here? So the new generation of players. Who, who are the players that we haven't heard of that if I'm going to tune in to, say, an Iceland game or a Belgium game or a even an England game. Who am I looking at as the okay. new studs for the next generation? Okay, well, the biggest name coming out is actually a guy from Egypt, of all places. Um, assuming he is recovered after he got injured in the Champions League final playing for Liverpool, Mohamed Salah, who was probably the best soccer player in the world last year, um, is going to try and lead Egypt Man probably could win the uh, could probably win the uh, the presidency at this point. So I'd go with him. Um, Antoine Griezmann from France, who plays for Atletico Madrid, he's a forward. He's phenomenal. I know a lot of teams are making big out, big, big um, offering going to be offering him big money in the near future. Um, you said you had asked about uh, about England. It's going to be Harry Kane. Is uh, from Tottenham is going to probably be the leading scorer for England. You know, the names are still the same for the most part. There's a few. There's a few additional ones. You know, Robert Lewandowski from Poland, who's probably plays for Bayern Munich, he was an incredible scorer. But what are the odds that Poland's going to really do very much? Probably not a heck of a lot. So I think I think if you want one fun name to watch, if Egypt can do anything, it's Mohamed Salah, where it really is. More than any other team in the league, it's in, in the World Cup. It's a one-person team, and if he's healthy enough, you know, they could make a run to make to get past the first round, which I think is all you can ask for. So you believe that a one-person team in soccer can actually make a run? No. When I mean make a run, I mean make it out of make it out of the groups out of the round robin stage. And the only reason that they could possibly do it is because they're in a really a very weak group. They're in a group with okay. Saudi Arabia, which is not great, Russia, which is mediocre, and Uruguay, which is very, very good. So you can you remember you get in as, as a two, you can get in as a second team. Right. So we hear about these forwards, we hear about defensemen every once in a while. The one thing that we don't hear about really is the goalies. And I know you're. You're a former goalie. I know that at the time, goalies don't get many shots in the World Cup. They may get 10 or 12 at the max. 
But what are the goalkeepers that we should be looking out for? What are the goalkeepers that can save, that can basically steal a game for you? It's going well. It's Manuel. If he's healthy, it's Manuel Noel. He's from Germany. Played in Bayern Munich, but he was injured a lot of the year. He's the be- he's con- the consensus best goalie in the world. David De Gea, who plays for Bayern in Spain, top goalie. Uh, even Costa Rica, of all teams, uh, Kiwanaris is the goal is the is the goalie for um, Real Madrid. And he's stolen them a couple games over the years. Probably him more than anyone else would need to steal a game for Costa Rica. <laughs> Excuse me. To have a chance to move in in a really bad group with Brazil, Serbia, and Switzerland. He would have to be on top of this game. And then there's a goal. I forget which team. He's 45 years old. I think he may be Egypt as well. And that would just be kind of neat. Well, and also sad because... I am much younger than that, and I have no. I don't see myself playing in the World Cup in the near future. It makes you feel good for the old people, though. Well, my friend, I can guarantee you that you will not be playing in the World Cup anytime in the future. If you if you just I, wanted some confirmation, I'm giving that to you. Chances are, not going to happen. I appreciate that. You're welcome. So, who do we have here winning the whole thing? I'm taking Belgium. Interesting. Why? Why? Because I I think they're every year they underachieve. It's similar to Portugal in 2016. Um, that every generation just underachieves and underachieves. And this is a team with just with enormous talent. From our Roman Lukaku up front to Kevin De Bruyne, who to me is one of the five or six best players, he's the most underrated player in the world, playing for Man City. To Timo Corte, who's, who's the goalie, um, they just have a lot, and every something always goes wrong, and like it's too easy to pick Germany or to pick Brazil or to pick France. So I kind of prefer to pick something a little bit off the beaten path. The team that does have the talent to do it, if Roberto Martinez can make this team blend, and that is by no means a definitive that they can. But they have a pretty easy draw, and then they should get to. They're pretty easy. To, uh, they should get past their first round match, and then, you know, when you get to the quarters, you probably play Brazil and take your chances at that point. Okay, so we're in New York. We're obviously a USA based uh, based show. Uh, you in New Jersey, myself in New York. Should we expect? Look, I asked you before who we should look to in the future in 2022. Let me be a little bit more specific. If you had to give a percentage chance on the U.S. making the World Cup in 2022, what would you say your percentage is right now? 90. Wow, that that's pretty high. So why do you say that? Because yeah. obviously we have been knocked out early in the in the World Cup in the last two or three. Uh, this year, we obviously did not make the World Cup, although it was basically gift-wrapped with a bow, and we couldn't do anything with it. Why 90%? Dude, 90% is really high. That, that's that's well beyond what I thought we were looking at here. Because the reality of the U.S., first of all, has an enormous amount of young talent. 
enormous, led by Christian Pulisic, who's playing for Borussia Dortmund in the German League, who has single-handedly almost got them to qualify, and he's a whopping 18 years old. It's always difficult to determine years down the road because you don't know what you don't know what injuries come into play. But the U.S. under-20 teams have been very good, and a lot of the older players who have um, you know they plateaued, and you're not going. You, it's going to be new, new energetic blood, and the reality is the region is just not very good. There is no yeah. U.S. Has made it six to six cups in a row since 1990, so 1994, 98, 02, 06, 10, 2014. So they made seven cups in a row. Since 1990, they've made it with ease all six times. Um, they haven't had to play in a playoff. They just easily easily run through. I think this team is humiliated. I think it became a national joke. And now they, there's a new president. There's going to be a new coach that they're going to hire after 2018, after the cup is done. And my guess is they're going to come out angry, and they will run through this pretty easily, 2020 and 2021. I could be wrong, and maybe 90% is a bit too high, but there's no reason at all that they should that they okay. should be able to cruise next year. I got one more question about the World Cup, and then we can move on. So we're in the 2018 World Cup. We have a lot of players from many different nations that have been playing for a long time, and this will likely be their last World Cup. If you wanted to tune in and you thought these four or five players were their last World Cup, the last time you're going to see him on this stage, who are those five players? Let me start off, obviously, with uh, with Messi in Argentina, um, who's Lionel Messi, who's never really as great as he is, and he's considered, if not the greatest player of all time, in the top three or four. He's never really hit it on this stage. So this is his last chance to do so. Um Ronaldo probably will be there for another four years, but Luis Suarez may not in Uruguay. And Uruguay is not a team that you automatically will think will go through. Um, so he's a pretty dynamic offensive player. You may also want to see a guy like a Sergio Aguero, again in Argentina, um, who scored probably the greatest goal in, in EPL history years ago, and he's kind of at the end of his, not the end of his. At the end of his prime, but kind of near nearing the end. Uh, but the most fun player in the world to watch is, I'm assuming, is a guy named Slotted. I can't even pronounce his name, but never could. Abramovich, who plays for Sweden. And Sean, I'll send you a copy of, some, of one of his goals he scored against England. It's the greatest thing I've ever seen. It's a bicycle kick from about 40 feet away. He's just pure dynamic, pure dynamo, pure charisma. He's an amazing player. So if you've never seen him, of all the players, the two that I would say are him and Messi. If you could see those guys, you're really, it's really a treat. Okay, so what do you think, and the last World Cup question, what do you think the ratings are going to be like here at home in the U.S.? Are people watching this? People just saying, you know what, we're not in it, we don't care, 
say lovey. Look, Mexico is always going to draw. Brazil is always going to draw. Um, but you're not going to. You know, you said Portugal, Spain. Portugal, Spain will draw. But the day-to-day games, they're not. It's without the U.S. There, there is a lack. There's going to be a lack of interest. There's been a lack, a real lack of coverage, for the most part. Um, no, you don't. You haven't heard much about it on ESPN or Fox Sports. All that now in the last week or so. But without the USA, it's very hard to motivate people to watch a sport they don't particularly love, and they really follow for nationalistic reasons more than anything else. Um, the US is be a, Fox is going to get crushed. In these right in these ratings, but look, that was a chance they took coming in when they made the purchase. You know, it was a given that the the, the thought was it was a given that the U.S. would move on, and it just happened that they didn't. How many of the first round games do you believe that you will watch? A decent amount because I'm in my New Jersey office. Number one, I'll have the I'll have it on on my flat screen. Number two, I will be um, – we have no nanny next week. So I'll be working from home a lot. So if I'm working from home and watching the little dude, I'll have the games on. Um, I'll probably at some point watch at least half, I would think, or at least parts of half. Not because I'm going to watch the whole 120 minutes or the whole 90 minutes. I'll watch a lot of parts of games. And the final question is, over or under – Five games, the amount that Carly Fink Caymans watches. Under. If Carly has it, if Carly, because the games are on the 8 a.m., 11 a.m., and 2 a.m. and 2 p.m., Carly will not be will not have it on under any circumstance. And there's no way you're watching games on weekends. Uh, I'll see a little bit of it here and there, but we have. I'll see what I can. I'll watch what I can. But I'm holding <laughs> my breath on it. Okay, so we we got five minutes left. Uh, I'll start her off. Look, I am really glad to be home. Uh, it's nice to be laying down on my own couch or laying down on my own bed. But I said this on my blog. I'll say it again. I never thought that the trip that I was able to make was possible. Never. If if you had asked me when I was a kid if I would ever visit Portugal or visit Germany or visit Austria, those were all figments of my imagination. Those were all things that you would see in the textbook, and I'd never see those things. Those those are mountains that you saw in The Sound of Music. Never thought I'd see those mountains. And here I am at 42, and I just finished eight countries – nine cities in 28 days. I am a really, really fortunate person. And, yeah, I didn't watch any sports for 28 days, and I think that that's a miracle in its own right. But it was a nice reprieve not watching sports for 28 days and makes you appreciate what you really do have and what you really get to do with your life when you when you set your mind to it. So happy to be back. Happy to talk to my best friend again and host this show and next week we'll have our NBA draft preview and the following week our NBA and NHL free agency previews and of course 
along the way we'll be talking World Cup, or at least I will be asking questions and Seth will answer them. So, Seth, you're up. Oh, it is good to have you back. Uh, thanks again to Larissa Paul for joining me for one of the shows. Um, it was it was a lot of fun. A um, couple boxing notes. You know, last year the boxing found significantly better in regards to having really good good matchups, um, and it looks like one uh, the, big, the biggest of them all, the heavyweight championship, is going to be signed between Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua, which which is something that hasn't been undisputed at 15, 20, probably 10 years at this point. Um, it turns out the triple, the match that everyone, the fight that everyone wants to see, the rematch between Canelo and Triple G, is just very frustrating watching, you know, this has, has a final offer. Here's your final deadline. This is what the people want. This is the fight that everyone wants to see more than anything else. It's a rematch of a fight that probably this should not have been a draw, and there's been controversy, and there's been drug, you know, people, you know, people's tests, testing, tests positive, and make, just make the damn fight. You're going to make your money. This is what people want. You want the sport. To, the sport's been kind of on an upswing, surprisingly, over the last year or two, and this is the way to continue that trend. So, make the damn fight. Also, props to CM Punk. Uh, you know, it, it takes an amazing amount of effort to go from being a WWE wrestler to wrestling in the, in the becoming a professional MMA wrestler. But you've now got your butt kicked twice, and it's time to kind of take a step back. Props for doing it, and props for training for three years for it. But you just you can't it's just it's not it's just not a sport you can start in your mid thirties. So. Anyway, sorry if I seem a little bit out of the but uh, not as great as the man who just gets in from well, wherever the hell he's in from. You can read his blog. It takes three hours. You'll get through two or three pages. Um, I, I look yeah, forward I at some point to reading. No, I look forward at some point to reading Sean Palmer's un, uh, auto. Pretty much, he's putting together a book of all his his uh, uh, travails <laughs> or travel, I should say. Um, so next week, an NBA draft. Two weeks free agency should be fun. For Sean Palmer, this is Seth Gamers on the Seth and Sports Radio Show. Have a good one, everybody. See ya.